And as we see in the results here in Arizona and across the country this week, no one party has a monopoly on good ideas or the support of voters. But I have seen that when we seek to represent everyone, not just the people who voted for us, we're capable of extraordinary things. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, November 15th. That clip was from Arizona Senator Mark Kelly's victory speech. His re-election win in Arizona has helped retain control of the Senate for Democrats and the unexpectedly strong pro-democracy midterm election results. And what a week of results it has been. Democrats defied the odds and the polls and defeated election deniers and far-right candidates across the country. They retained control of the Senate. House control is still to be determined, but if they lose as expected, it will be by a razor-thin margin. Democrats held all governorships except Nevada, held every key Secretary of State race, flipped the Minnesota Senate, the Michigan House, the Michigan Senate, the Pennsylvania House, and had many other state and local election wins. They largely won on issues of choice, voting access, criminal justice reform, drug policy reform, economic justice, and more in ballot measures across the country. Honestly, I'm still sitting with a sense of thrilled disbelief that this week turned out so well. It's renewed my optimism for the future of our democracy. Of course, the fights are not over, but this election showed that threats to our democracy can be turned back. So let's talk about what this means looking forward. First, of course, the Senate. While the wins in Nevada and Arizona that have been announced in the last 48 hours and Fetterman's flip of the open Pennsylvania Senate seat mean that Raphael Warnock's runoff race for re-election in Georgia won't determine Senate control, the Georgia race remains critical for so many reasons. Now, as a reminder, since Republicans shortened the runoff period with their anti-voter bill earlier this week, there were just four weeks between the general and runoff elections in Georgia. So Georgia voters begin casting mail-in ballots shortly, and they'll be voting in person on December 6th. This election matters for so many reasons, but here's some top ones to be paying attention to. Of course, in the Senate itself, Manchin and Cinema. If Georgia is lost to the Democrats, either Manchin or Cinema can block any bill. But if Democrats win in Georgia, neither can block a bill alone, and both become less powerful. As a yes from either one, means that things can get passed. So it's harder to block movement by any of the moderate senators in the Democratic caucus. With 51 seats versus 50, the Senate would end its current power-sharing agreement. That means that Democrats will have all committee chairs and a one-vote advantage on every committee, which will make a much smoother process for confirming federal judgeships, filling executive appointments, and moving legislation through the Senate. It also means that if anyone gets sick... Think of the stroke that New Mexico Senator Lejeune had last year, or the stroke that uh, now Senator-elect Fetterman suffered, or worse, if they were to pass away. You'd see a temporary loss of the majority by Democrats unless they win the Georgia runoff. And, of course, looking forward, because the minute an election is done, we look to the next one, the 2024 Senate map is even harder for Democrats than this one was. And if they don't win Georgia now, it'll be almost impossible to retain the majority when they have to defend seats in Montana, West Virginia, and more. So there's a lot riding on the Georgia re-election runoff campaign. 
and that'll be a big focus of attention for the next couple of weeks. Now, along with the runoff, the other focus around the Senate will be in the lame duck session that Democrats are headed back to right now. With wins at their back, there's a push to pass pending progressive legislation, including Marriage Equality Act, which could move through the Senate as soon as tomorrow, plus work on the defense spending bill, perhaps changes to the debt ceiling, and there'll be another attempt by Schumer to honor his deal with Manchin to pass reforms to pipeline permitting that's opposed by environmental groups and more. You know, there'll be an intense period of legislating or at least grandstanding around legislating in the next couple of weeks before the winter recess. So keep our eyes on that. I'm expecting at least one or two big bills to move forward and a few more to be at least brought to vote whether or not they pass. Uh, looking to the next term, on the other hand, so much depends on who retains control of the House and by what margin and who wins in the Georgia runoff. So we'll talk more in the next couple of weeks as that becomes clear, but it's a lot of speculation, but really too soon to start to get any answers of what will the next congressional session look like until we know its makeup. On the House side, it will likely take at least another week for all of the ballots to be counted in the last handful of races that are going to determine control of the House of Representatives. Republicans appear favored to retake the majority, which was always the expectation going into this election. But they now that we're expecting, they'll only take over the majority with a few vote margin versus the 20 to even 60 seats that they'd hoped to flip a year ago. And the Freedom Caucus is already causing problems for Congressman McCarthy who, in his attempt to rally votes to become Speaker of the House. That's a public floor vote, and you need a majority of the entire House of Representatives to be elected Speaker of the House. So what you need in a very thin majority like this one is all the Republicans or almost every single Republican has to vote for him in public. And just a few far-right conservative votes could deny him the speakership. So there's a lot of uh, fighting already about what will it take to get their votes and increasing expectations to see this type of fighting between establishment Republicans, conservative and far-right Republicans to kind of continue and ratchet up that would be far less dramatic if they'd gotten a bigger vote margin where votes on the edges mattered less. But just as we've seen Democrats over the last session, Nancy Pelosi having to navigate between the moderate and progressive wings of her caucus as she tried to move legislation through the House with a slim Democratic majority, McCarthy, if he becomes Speaker, will have the same or even more difficult of a challenge because he has a more fractured and uh, extremely polarized caucus to contend with. At the state level, wins of key governorships, secretaries of state, and attorneys general makes me hopeful. Preserves the rule of law, the fair administration of elections. Most of the election deniers, especially in battleground states, lost. So we'll learn and see more of the implications and we'll know the details state by state in the weeks to come, but it's going to be big. It restored, as I said, my faith in the possibility of protecting and strengthening our democracy. For example, there was a big voter suppression measure that was being moved forward by Republicans in Pennsylvania as a constitutional amendment that now will be off the table because in Pennsylvania, if you can't override the gubernatorial veto, the only way to do pass legislation is through the constitutional amendment, which has to get a positive majority vote in two consecutive cycles. But the Democrats retook the Pennsylvania House thus denying a second round vote in favor of that anti-voter amendment as we come up. In Michigan, 
voters passed Prop 2 as a second pro-voter measure after passing Prop 3 last election. And now, with trifecta control for the first time in 40 years, Democrats are poised to fully fund fair election administration efforts in Michigan alongside much expected policy change. So it matters both to the state of our democracy and it matters to the state of people's lives. Politics is really about passing laws that change how things are governed. So expect to see major changes, especially in Michigan and Minnesota, where you have trifecta control by Democrats after a long, long lockout. And of course, because the minute one election is done, the next one kicks into gear. Last thing to talk about is that we're already beginning to look and we're shifting focus to the 2024 election cycle. Of course, the biggest news here is the expected announcement, perhaps later today by Trump, that he's running for re-election. This is even as he's under attack for endorsing so many candidates who lost their elections last week. He's celebrating 200 of his endorsed candidates being elected, but almost all of those endorsees ran uncontested or in spaces where they were easily expected to win. Most of his critical endorsements in Senate races, gubernatorial races, secretaries of state, attorneys general, they lost. And it's really kind of rocked his standing. And now a question, there was a headline this morning saying, Trump expected to announce to get ahead of potential challengers and criminal charges. So how this plays out remains to be seen. Meanwhile, DeSantis won handily in Florida and is seeing his stock among Republicans rise dramatically. And Trump has gone on the attack against him and against Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, who many see as the kind of two GOP governors who could most challenge his status as the party's anchor in the months to come. Could also include Doug Abbott from Texas, but so far he's been quieter about his plans. But expect to see the infighting resume, a different type of dynamic now that we're past the midterms. Expect to see some similar questions on the Democratic side. Most of the indications that Biden is going to run again, but given the strong results for Democrats, the kind of pushback against Biden running for a second term is likely to be muted. But how that plays out and what it looks like both from partisan politics and what it looks like in terms of defending and strengthening democracy, definitely something to keep our eyes on and we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. So that's all for this week's quick review of what could be hours of discussion about the midterm implications. And we will come back to so many of these implications in the weeks to come. But for now, I just want to say thank you for all of your efforts to help protect our democracy. And I look forward to talking with you again next week on 10 Minutes on Democracy. I'm Jason Franklin. Take care.